Thank you, Daniel. My name is Ron Cool. I'm one of the pastors here at Hillside. Welcome to all of you. Welcome to those of you who are watching online. I just want to begin this morning with an announcement about the Maximum Two uh, Impact Two campaign. Um, we collected pledges last uh, two weeks ago, and so we kind of wanted to give an update of where we are with that. The pledges, uh, the amount of the pledges that we collected during that time, uh, included with the ones that were previously collected, came to about just over $1.7 million, which is a, a wonderful thing, and we're very thankful for that. We had about $250,000 on hand in our building fund, so we're just under $2 million. That's great news. The challenge is that the project we were hoping to do was somewhere between 3.25 and 3.75 million. And so uh, several things that that means for us. Uh, three things I want to mention. First, we're still waiting for some pledges to come in, and so we'll see how those do. Second, this means that we get to have some family conversations. <laughs> we want to talk together about what are we going to do here? How are we going to handle this? What do we want to do? Part, wait, what? We'll have to talk. So tomorrow night the council is going to meet, probably a week from tomorrow night as well. Sometime in January we'll let you know the process that we'll use to kind of decide together how we're going to go forward here, all right? And then the, the third thing is just to say, as we said throughout the campaign, again, tool, buildings are, are tools, what matters most is that we are people who want to make a maximum impact. What matters most is that we are people who are committed to, to making the biggest difference we can for Jesus Christ. So we'll keep you updated on that, but wanted to tell you where we are right now. Just a, a little bit under $2 million, which is, again, a fantastic thing. Getting to the Word of God. <clears throat> I want to start by talking about what I think is one of the most beautiful places on earth. Now, I recognize that I'm biased and recognize that there are some beautiful places, a lot of beautiful places I've never been to. But I want to say that for me, in my top three maybe, has got to be Lake Michigan. I mean, it is just so beautiful, Sleeping Bear Dunes here. Uh, you know, the, the sandy beaches, the clear water, the, the, when it's calm. My dad had a boat out in Holland for a lot of years. And it was just the best to go out onto Lake Michigan and to be out there, turn on the radio and, and listen, or play the 8-track back when I was in high school, but whatever. But, you know, play, listen to some tunes and, and, and just go swimming out there. It's just absolutely gorgeous. And, and additionally, there's no salt and no sharks. And, and so it beats the pants off any ocean you might tell me about, okay? It's just absolutely wonderful. One of my favorite places, one of the most beautiful places on earth. But here's something you need to know about Lake Michigan. It's also one of the most dangerous places on earth. You might not think of it that way, but when storms strike, Lake Michigan is, is extremely dangerous. In fact, in fact, Lake Michigan has more, uh, well, the Great Lakes altogether, have more shipwrecks per square mile than any other body of water. Because of the way it's kind of built, the waves start coming in all kinds of different directions. The wind is blowing, the waves are rolling, thunder, lightning. When it happens, it is so dangerous. Some of you know what the undertow can be like in a, in a lake like Lake Michigan. It can be so dangerous. Ludington here, Grand Haven here. When the, when the storms strike, it can be so dangerous. Lake Michigan is like that. On the one hand, I think it's one of the most beautiful places on earth. On the other hand, it's one of the most dangerous places on earth. You don't mess around with it. You don't, you don't just kind of pretend it doesn't have threats and challenges and, and, and dangers. It can be both of those places, all right, when the storms strike. I mention all of that because that's the way our lives can be. That's the way our lives can be a lot like that as well. At times, the sun is shining and things are going really well. 
the kids are doing well, the health is good, the job, we actually like it, we enjoy it, the economy is strong. They're just days, and I pray that you have many, many, many many of these days where, where the sun is shining where things are good, where things are the way they're supposed to be. And and, and we all have some of those days. I hope you have many of those days. But then just like Lake Michigan, sometimes storms strike. And it doesn't necessarily take long, but our world gets turned upside down and everything gets spun around. Sometimes, again, like Lake Michigan, the the storms strike suddenly. We get a call from a doctor and he says, "Uh, there's a mass on your lungs. We need to do a biopsy. The police call. And, and, and they say there's been a terrible accident. The, 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 there's just any number of ways that in an instant we get fired, we lose a job, all of a sudden we are in there and, and our lives are, feel like they're just getting tossed around like a toy boat in a, in a bathtub. They're just going back and forth and we're pretty sure that we're going down. Sometimes those storms strike suddenly. Sometimes those storms approach slowly. We can see them coming, but we can't necessarily stop them. We feel ourselves drifting down into depression. We, we see our kids making foolish choices over and over and over again, and we know at some point it's going to get ugly, and, and we can't stop it. The economy slows down. Our, our company starts to tank, whatever it is. But we also have those times when the storms approach slowly. And, and we wonder what it was like in the sunshine. We forget what it was like on the calm waters. The storms always always, always, always leaves damage in their path. The fact is, if a storm is big enough, we come out of it different people. Even when we're out in the sunshine again, even when things are back to what we would say normal or good, we are different people. There's a scar, there's a limp that we walk with, there's something that's changed. The storms always do damage. Some of you are in the midst of some of those storms right now. You're struggling with a marriage that's, that's difficult. You're struggling with kids who are going through hard times. You're struggling with health issues. Some of you have storms that are going to strike in 2020. All of us, at one time or another, go through storms, and Christians are not exempt. I wish I could tell you that if you became a Christian, then, then this would never happen to you. Then you will be on calm waters all the time, but that's not the way it works. Even people who are deeply committed to Jesus Christ go through what are some of the worst storms that there can be. In fact, Jesus seemed to suggest that 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 was inevitable in our world. In John 16, verse 33, he says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. Not that so you may have no storms. (laughs) I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In the midst of the storms, in this world, there will be storms. In this world, Jesus says, you will have trouble, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. Jesus says we can live with peace in the storms. We can live with peace in the midst of a, a feeling like everything is falling apart. Again, not just kind of an easy, comfortable peace. No, it still hurts and it's still painful and it's still difficult. But we can have a sense that we are still held, that it's still going to be okay. So what I want to do this morning is, is share with you three things. Three things to remember, especially during Advent, but three things to remember when storm strikes storms strike, when, when things feel like they're, they're falling apart. The first one, and this is maybe in some ways a hard one, the hardest one to believe, but the Bible says it over and over and over again. But when a storm strikes, you've got to know that our God is stronger than any storm we face. 
Our God is bigger than any storm we face. There is nothing in this world, spiritual or physical, there is nothing that is more powerful than our God. Our God holds everything in his hands. Our God is in control all the time. He has never let it slip. He's never let it fall. He is always in charge, and we can trust in that. Now, again, that doesn't mean storms can be, are not extremely dangerous and, and devastating. They are. I don't want to at all minimize that. You, you know, when you go through those dark times, if, if I hear somebody, if I hear a Christian say, well, but I know God is in control, so it's okay. No, no, it's, I know God is in control. I know it's okay. But do I hate what's happening right now? Boy, do I hate what's happening right now. That's what it means, okay? Because, because yes, God is bigger than all our storms, but the storms can be extremely powerful. They can be devastating. And if we're honest, storms can be, and I think most are stronger than, than us. They're stronger than we are, okay? The, the, the fact of the matter is it, you're not as strong as you think you are. I don't care how strong your life is. I don't care what kind of foundation you feel like you've built. Something happens, the doctor calls, a, a child dies, a, a spouse walks out, whatever, all of a sudden you can say, I, I, but I have a solid life. I don't care how solid it was. It is stronger than you. And you cannot stand on your own two feet. But those storm, storms are not stronger than God. I promise you this, those storms are not stronger than God. The Bible teaches, let me just show you two places. First from Isaiah 40. Isaiah 40 comes at a time in the life of Israel, the Old Testament, life of Israel when the storm struck. I mean, it was the worst storm imaginable in many ways. They had been taken away from the land. Jerusalem had been destroyed. The temple had been destroyed. They lost family. They lost friends. They had been taken to Babylon. Babylon was by far the only superpower of its day. It was, it was an amazing power. And, and, and in Isaiah 40, Isaiah begins to speak to the people as they are in exile, as they are there, as they feel like it's all done, it's all over. And he said, comfort, comfort, my people, relax, hang in there, have peace, have peace, because God is going to come. Verse 3, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way of the, for the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Isaiah says, God is going to come. And, and you can imagine the people of Israel. You can imagine the people of Israel, they're saying, look, if he didn't stop that, how can he take us now here? If he didn't take care of us when we had a city to, walk, to protect us, when, when we had the land, if he didn't take care of us there, how can he take care of us here? If he wasn't strong enough then, how can he be strong enough now? And, and Isaiah says, it is never a question of his strength. It is never a question of his power. It is never a question of whether he can, all right? In verse 12, Isaiah says this, Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand? Imagine that, Isaiah says, creation. God said, there's the Atlantic Ocean. Okay, here's the Pacific. Whatever it is. I mean, he, he measures the water in the, in the palm of his hand where the breadth of his hand marked off the heavens. Uh, sun, you go here. Earth there. Mars. Jupiter. Venus. And galaxy after galaxy. You're worried about little old Babylon? Who has held the dust of the earth in a basket? Or weighed the mountains on the scale and the hills in, a ba in the balance? Jumping to verse 15. Surely, think about this, the nations are like a drop in the bucket. Babylon, a drop of water. 
a drop of water in the bucket. Babylon is nothing compared to the power of God. Neither is China or Russia or the United States or even Canada. Friends, we need to remember that nations are a drop in the bucket. And it doesn't mean that there's not threats. It doesn't mean there's not storms. It doesn't mean that, that we don't protect. And, and, and so, but, but let's recognize, friends, in the big scheme of things, for God, from God's perspective, from way up there, from where he is, with his level of power, nations are a drop in a bucket. They are regarded as dust on the scales. Babylon, God can do it in an instant. They are dust on the scales. He weighs the islands as though they were fine dust. Hawaii. It's just, God is so big, so powerful. Lift up your eyes to the heavens and look to the heavens. Who created all these? He who brings on the starry host one by one and calls forth each by name. Here you go, here you go. Because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. God is stronger than any storm. God is stronger. He is big enough to take care of any storm. There is no storm that God says, oops, that one got away from me. Oops, that one was a little too big. Oops, that one I can't stop. That is not our God. Our God is bigger than any storm. In the New Testament, again, just one more example here, but 1 John 4, verse 4. John is writing to people who are going through persecution. He's writing through people who are, to people who are going through a really difficult time. And he says this, you dear children are from God. You've overcome them. And they would have said, uh, it doesn't feel like we've overcome anything right now, John. It feels like we're getting the snot beat out of us, okay? It feels like everything's falling apart. It feels like... It... John says, because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. Know this, in spite of the strength of the storm, the one who is in you is greater than one who is in the world. There is no temptation, there is no power of hell. God is stronger than any storm. We need to hold on to that. That, that is just a, a core biblical truth that you and I need to hold on to again and again and again. Now, if you haven't asked it, you need to, well, then why doesn't God stop the storms, Right? If God can stop any storm, if he can do Babylon with the back of his hand, it's dust, it's all it takes. If he can do that with anything, why doesn't he stop it? And, and the answer to that is important. We don't know. Okay? I don't know why God doesn't. I wish many times that he would. But I know this, it's not for lack of power, and it's not for lack of love, and it's not for lack of grace. I don't know why God waits. I don't know why, why he doesn't just stop some of those things that are been so devastating. I don't know why he doesn't change people that, that we've been praying for, bring kids to Christ that we've been praying for. I don't know, but I do know this. God is strong enough. God is stronger than any storm we face. Second thing to remember, and this is the one that ties in with Advent, with Christmas, with this time of the year. When you are in a storm, when you feel like things are falling, falling apart, know this, that our God is with us in the storms. You are not alone. You are not, God does not say, I'll see you on the other side. God does not say, when you are done with the valley of the shadow of death, I will be there. No, God says, I am there all along. And he can say that because of Jesus. 
And one of the names that was given to Jesus when he was first born is the name Emmanuel. We just sang it. You hear it a lot at this time of the year. But he is Emmanuel, which means God with us. Matthew describes it this way, chapter 1, verse 22. All this took place when he talks about Jesus being born. He says, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And friends, this is the miracle of Christmas. This is why we celebrate this. This is why, because it's just, and and, and we'll never get it, okay? It's just too big. But remember what I said about how big God is? That God was born in a baby. That God took on human flesh. And he did it to be with us. And he did it to be with us, not just on the sunny days, but he did it to be with us in the storms, Jesus came and was born so that Jesus, the Father and the Spirit, could walk with us through every storm we face. So that he could be with us in our darkest, worst days. Jesus Christ is with us. And he's with us when everything in us says, no, he's not. He's with us when everything around us says, there is no God. At least if there is, he doesn't care about you. He is with us in the midst of the storms. Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. I want you to think about that because, again, when we think about Jesus coming to earth, it can be as if Jesus comes as a visitor to see what we're going through, right? Jesus didn't come just to see what we're going through. As I was thinking about this, I thought it was probably, I don't know now, 18, 20 years almost, that uh, I and several others in the church were able to go to Cuba. Since then, a lot of you have gone to Cuba. Excuse me again. All right, a lot of us have gone to Cuba. When I went to Cuba, I could see what it was like. I could see the stores that didn't have a lot of groceries in them. I could see people not being able to afford cars. I could see, I could eat the rice. I could eat the beans. I saw what was going on. I did not feel what was going on. I could not, I did not become a Cuban. I did not say, this is my future forever. I, I, I could understand it much better, right? Good to see it. All of you, good to see it. But Jesus did more than that. He didn't just come to, to say, oh, now I see what they're going through. No. Jesus entered into every storm we have. He entered into our storms. He feels those things. He came and was born of Mary so that he could enter into that, so that he could experience it, so that he would know what it is like. He entered into all of those storms. Think of just the physical pain. I mean, throughout his life, Jesus Jesus just experienced the pain you and I experience all the time. He stubbed his toe, but he didn't say a naughty word probably hit his thumb with a hammer but he didn't say a naughty word but he felt all that pain and 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 then certainly again during his life but then at his death I I mean pain he took all of our pain there and I know some of you physical pain I I shared with Eric and Nicole this morning yesterday I I got the house set up for Christmas and I cleaned and man am I paying for it today I, I I mean it's just like wow this isn't fun and I know I'll feel better with a couple of aspirin I mean it's not a but but for those of you who live in constant pain for those of you who struggle with that ongoing physical pain I don't imagine I don't know how you do it but I know this Jesus knows what it's like to feel a pain that will be in a sense, unending. He knows what it's like to feel that physical pain. 
But even more, he knows what it's like to feel our emotional pain. Jesus, again, he takes those things on throughout his life, a grief. Again, this is so essential that we understand this. Jesus was born just so he could do this. Not so he could watch us go through grief, but that he himself could experience it firsthand, what it's like. John 11, verse 35. Jesus had his disciples, but he also had one of his best friends, a guy by the name of Lazarus. Lazarus, rather. And, and Lazarus died. And, and many of you know this, but it is just so important to hang on to. Jesus, the God of the universe, the one who was going to raise him from the dead in 15 minutes, wept. He bawled like a baby because he experienced what it was to lose a precious gift. Jesus is with us in the storms. Jesus is with us in that pain because he felt it and he experienced it and he knew what grief was. And I know we can say, yeah, but he didn't know what it was like a year later. Somehow he took it all and, 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 and he experienced that agony. And I want to suggest even fear, okay? I, I, I didn't know if I can say that God gets afraid. <laughs> but I think Jesus did. Look at this, Luke 22. When Jesus was praying in the garden before he was arrested, this is what happened. He, Jesus, withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them, the disciples. He knelt down and he prayed. And he said, Father, if you're willing, take this cup away from me. I don't want to do this. I just don't. It is going to hurt. It is going to be so painful. It is going to be so emotional. I don't want you to reject me. I don't want you to turn. And, and in some ways, this is the prayer of a, of a fearful person who does not look for, I mean, he was afraid of what he was going to go through. He knew he could be faithful, but still, it was, he knows how horrible the pain can be. He knows how tough the storms can be. And, and, and so Jesus himself says, Father, if, if you're willing, take it from me. But whatever your will is, that I will do. God sends an angel to take care of him, to strengthen him. An angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him, and being in anguish. He prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. That's agony. That is anguish. That is pain. And Jesus came to feel that. He was with us. He came to be with us so that he could experience that, so that he could be with us in our pain. He, he knew the pain of betrayal. Luke 22, verse 21, but the hand of him, one of his disciples, him who's going to betray me, is, is with mine on the table. We could go on rejection all of it Jesus came to be with it he entered into our storms that is the amazing thing about Advent that is the amazing thing about Jesus being born is that he came God himself to be with us and he's with you in your storms he's with me he's with us in our storms he is there he feels our pain okay he feels the pain when you feel that pain he feels that pain. And I want to suggest, again, I, I, this is more based on, on John eleven thirty five, 35, but that God weeps with us. I think sometimes we have this sense that God sits in heaven and is like, oh, that's too bad. No, Jesus, who was fully God, wept. And I think God, when we weep, when we feel broken, God weeps with us because he became one of us. He took on flesh. He is Emmanuel, God with us. He weeps with us, 
And I think he'd get angry at the, at the storms that hurts us. He gets angry. And, and, and I think it's so important for us to know that the God who is all-powerful is also a God who is all-loving, who has all those emotions, and who feels all those things. And he knows what it's like. We don't just say, yeah, but he doesn't know what it's like here. He doesn't know what it's like to be finite. He doesn't know what it's like to lose his best friend or a precious gift. He doesn't know what it's like to die himself. He doesn't know. Yes, he does. He knows all of that because he is Emmanuel, God with us. He feels our pain and he holds us in our pain. Again, it doesn't mean we don't go through the storms. But nothing can take us out of his hands. Our God is with us in the storms. He is Emmanuel. So again, God is stronger than the storms. Remember that. Second, he is with us. Whatever that storm is, our God is with us in the storm. He is Emmanuel. And then third, and and again, this is what I hold on to, but one day God will stop the storms. And this is an Advent theme as well. One day God will stop the storms. Jesus Christ is going to come back. And he's going to make everything new. Jesus Christ is going to come back. This is what we read about Revelation 21. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. And then these words, There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. One day Jesus Christ is going to come back and he's going to say enough pain, enough tears, enough crying, enough of all that, and he is going to make all things new. And when I'm in the midst of a storm, I need to remember that that storm will not last. I need to remember that that storm will one day be done. And, 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 and so as we, as we think about that during this time of the year, on the one hand, during Advent, what we do, and it's been one of the themes from the church from the beginning, we look forward to celebrating the birth of Jesus Christ. That's where 98% of our attention is focused. We should have more of it focused on this. Because Advent has always traditionally been not just a time of looking forward to the birth of Jesus, celebrating that, but of looking forward to the return of Jesus. Because guess what? We're just like those people, in a sense, as it were, in the Old Testament who are waiting for the Messiah. Yes, we have seen him and we know and we have just seen it in a way that they never did and we understand it in a way that they never did, but we are still waiting. We are still waiting for Jesus to come back. We are still waiting for the storms to be done. We're still waiting for the tears to be wiped away. We're still waiting for there to be no more pain and death and crying and mourning. We are still waiting. Remember those things. When the storms strike when you feel like your boat has been flipped upside down, when you feel like you're going under for the third time, God is stronger than any storm we face. Our God is with us in the storms. He is Emmanuel, and one day God will stop the storms. Friends, when it feels like it's falling apart, remember that God is with us. God is with us in each and every storm. He is Emmanuel. Let's pray together. Father, remind us of those truths. For some of us, 
we're in the midst of a storm right now. For some of us, the storm has lasted for years, and it doesn't, we don't know if it's going to end. For some of us, we're saying, God, don't send a storm. Don't send a storm. Don't let a storm come to me. Don't let that happen. Don't. God, you've given us something amazing in the storms. You've given us yourself. You've given us your son, Jesus Christ. Remind us that he is Emmanuel, that you are Emmanuel, God with us. That you know our hurt, that you know our pain, that you know our struggles. Come, Lord Jesus. Come and make all things new. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.